Welcome to Comparing Notes, where three ordinary pastors from three different generations compare notes about life and ministry. My name is Ryan Haskins. I'm joined by Glenn and Andy, my co-hosts. And the question that's going to start us off for this podcast is, what was your first car? Now, Andy assumed last time that age went before beauty, assuming I was the most beautiful of the bunch. I'm not really going to argue that, but we're going to start with Andy this time. And I don't know why, I just like Andy. So Andy, what was your first car? Well, it, the first car that I owned uh, was a uh, 73 VW uh, Bug. Um, uh, the fun thing about that car is before that car, I did not know how to drive a stick shift. So um, I bought it because uh, I liked bugs and uh, it was a reasonable cost. I had to buy my own car and uh, picked it up and learned how to drive stick shift in that car in about 24 hours. Um, And then that was the car that got me uh, around Southern California uh, for a long time and actually started a journey of buying multiple VW bugs, um, some several years older than that. Um, And I actually had a very nice uh, 68 bug uh, that I had when I got married and highly regret selling that car. Uh, Maybe one day um, that will be one that will come back around. But that was my first car. Uh, For me, the first car that I owned was a 1972 Monte Carlo. Ugliest green you've ever seen. (laughs) 8-track player with Steppenwolf, born to be wild. Nice. Roll down the windows, get on the get on the <laughs> highway, and uh, it was it was sweet. I can still feel it as well as remember it. Well, I have to you, comment first, Andy. I now understand your love of small cars because Andy drives a very small car. In fact, his car could practically fit in the back of my truck. And while Andy started with a small car and owns one now, I started with a truck, and I also own one now. Uh, my first car was a 1999 Chevy Silverado. Nothing, nothing fancy at all. But the story that goes with this truck is I have a, some friends that make fun of me about this, so I will out myself here on this podcast. My my dad bought it for me. It, he bought it when I was 16. It was my driver. When I got married, he gave me the truck. Uh, but then when when we were uh, when my wife and I were pregnant with our first daughter. And we were looking at our vehicles. It was a two-door truck. We had to go find something that had four doors. So I went to sell the truck. And my dad said, hang on. I like having a truck in the family. I'll buy it back from you. So my dad bought back the car that he bought for me in the first place. And then to make the matters even worse, then when my dad went to sell that truck, eventually my father-in-law then bought it. So that truck is still in the family. It's bounced around. And yeah, I get made fun of for making my dad buy back a car that he gave me in the first place. But hey, I needed some money to go buy another vehicle. (laughs) Nice. So our topic for today is talking about rhythms in life and ministry. Obviously, every day is a different day in ministry. Stuff can, uh, curveballs can be thrown our way. We're kind of always one phone call away from a tragedy or a difficult counseling situation or what have you. But obviously, as we go through life, different phases in ministry, different phases of, of uh, that our children and our spouses and then even in our ministries, life can change. And so we just want to talk about those changing rhythms, want to discuss how to best approach those changing rhythms, maybe some best practices from um, 
maybe Glenn and Andy who have lived through more of those rhythms than I have and have seen more of those things. And just to help you and all of us best approach ministry uh, and those seasons in the best way. So I guess the question to start us off then uh, is, guys, what does your normal week look like? My current uh, week, uh, they look pretty much the same when it comes to the spiritual disciplines. Uh, the longer I've lived this Christian life, the more I've appreciated the early mentors I had that from the very beginning handed me a Bible, uh, encouraged me just to spend any amount of time in it each day. Uh, and as I'm doing that, just simply asking God to, to, to meet me there, just to, to speak or to prompt, uh, inspire me with something. And so that's pretty much, thankfully, been a routine for uh, many, many years. And so lately I've been in the routine of reading through the Bible uh, each year. Uh, so I follow that track. I don't do it to study it. I do it just to, to spend time with my Heavenly Father and uh, just to hear what he might have for me that day. And, uh, and to kind of get the marching orders. Uh, I've come to see that every day is game day when it comes to uh, the Christian life. And I've, because of my ministry, I've seen some, uh, uh, some train wrecks, some shipwrecks along the way uh, for individuals and for pastors and for, for ministry leaders. And it's not like we wake up uh, one day and just decide to go off course. But it's something that happens over time. And usually uh, when I investigate that, uh, you can see the spiritual disciplines uh, softening and maybe disappearing or losing some of that vitality uh, that's there. So I uh, don't want that to happen to me. So I try to have that mentality of every day's game day. Uh, I've got to bring it today because I know there's an enemy out there that wants to distract me. He wants to detour me. And uh, so that's the the mentality that I bring into uh, to my time uh, each day. I will come back a little bit later. I'll tell you about the mantra I wake up with every day too, but I'll let Andy go from here. Well, from a, a day standpoint, uh, it's uh, usually the weekdays are filled uh, with getting kids to school at the very beginning of the day, starts early. And uh, once all the kids are out, um, then it just, it really kind of starts to work through a task list. I'm, preaching uh, regularly. And so the, the key task and the key thing to really uh, begin is, uh, is to start that preparation for the following Sunday, because uh, as a pastor, uh, you get done with Sunday and the next Sunday is always coming. Um, and uh, my conviction is to preach expositionally through a passage of uh, a book of scripture. And so, you know, just continuing to, to work through that. Um, uh, I'm maybe a little have have been a little bit different than you, Glenn. Where um, I've tried to merge uh, more of my uh, study uh, of the scriptures and kind of a devotional life, but even recently, kind of have been worked um, trying to separate those out a little bit. Um, because one thing I found is sometimes uh, in ministry that becomes uh, just a job versus uh, really trying to understand what does it mean to walk with Christ? What does it mean uh, to have him uh, personally uh, be in relationship with him? And and so really kind of trying to find my way a little bit in what does that look like? Uh, a few books like uh, Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly recently have been helping me to, to do that and to be reminded of just even Jesus's personal 
uh, care and heart towards me as a pastor, uh, irregardless of what I do. And so that's uh, in terms of a of a weekly rhythm of also just trying to take a, a regular time off. Uh, we'll get back to talking a little bit about what does a, a Sabbath day look like. I think that's an important thing that we've lost. Um, but uh, kind of trying to make sure that uh, there is time for family. Um, and in a small church environment, I think, too, there's got to be some flexibility that's not just about teaching, but it's about encouraging and relationship. And some of that doesn't always happen on a nine to five uh, kind of schedule. And so there's uh, there's a wonderful flexibility, especially I think in a small church's uh, pastor schedule, but there's also the difficulty of that flexibility uh, that ends up impacting how your week uh, happens out too, that sometimes can make it very irregular uh, to come up with what does a typical week look like. How about for you, Ryan? So this has actually been a question that's been uh, I've been um, working through and a, a subject that I've been um, interested in for a minute now. Uh, what I have uh, realized far too many days is I get to the end of the day and realize how I've, I feel just run over by my schedule, by people, by myself. I haven't been able to either have a dedicated time in the word for myself or kind of the way that I envisioned the day going didn't end that way, whether it was from church things, personal things, school things with my kids. And so I, I have been um, just studying this of just what either what's the best time management and even Glenn, to your point, as we have seen, unfortunately, so many pastors um, failing recently falling into sin and just individuals saying, yeah, well, when you're when you're leading from a position of burnout and when you allow your yourself to get to that position of burnout, it's so easy then to start following those breadcrumbs of sin and you wind up doing the unthinkable and doing or saying the thing that you would never do or say. Um so in, in my in my household, I have two young kids. One one just started middle school. The other uh, is in fourth grade. So I've had the car pickup line for the first time this year. And oh, Lord, did not realize the sin in my heart with car pickup lines. But there's just been a lot of transition um, from schedules. And I, I first thought, hey, let's get up early. Let's get a workout in. Let's have time time in the word all before 6 a.m. and finding out I'm not a morning person and neither is my church because then when you couple that with evening Bible studies and conversations at 10 o'clock at night, I quickly ran out of steam real, really fast. Um, but for me, as Andy said, Sunday's always coming. So I, I've had to learn that I, that one, I have to prioritize that time with the Lord early, um, both in the day and in the week. And I've, I have uh, had far too many times finishing up a sermon Saturday evening um, so I've been trying to pack that in. And so starting on Monday morning, even after I get done preaching on Sunday and technically Monday's a day off, but just starting thinking about the coming passage as I also preach expositionally through text. So just knowing, okay, the next Sunday's coming, the next text is coming, but trying to get things out early so that I can prepare myself for those curveballs that are that are going to come in ministry and at times are blessings in ministry. So um, that's how I've just tried to shape my, my weeks thus far. When you're thinking about that rhythm uh, and even Glenn, when you were preaching regularly, what, uh, when you came to your week, uh, when did you know that you were in trouble in terms of looking towards Sunday? And when did you know that you felt like you were, you were in a good place? Um, I know for me, if I get to Friday and I'm still kind of struggling either with a passage or even to get into there, I know I'm probably in some trouble 
and I'm I'm gonna have to, you know, I don't like putting in a Saturday night because uh, I, I kind of like letting things simmer um, before I, I'm gonna get up and, and teach. Um, but if I know, you know, by Thursday that I have a pretty good handle on what I'm gonna say, what I'm gonna teach, I'm in probably a pretty good place. What about for you guys? Uh, there's a reason I'm not in the preaching ministry. <clears throat> <laughs> That's because I never felt good or ready. But actually, you know, once I get once I get the out, once I worked the outline, once I had the bullet points, um, by that point I felt good uh, about though about where I was going, and uh, and then tried to give attention to uh, to the other things going, and then would would work to fill it in. But it's been a while since I've had to think that through. Um, but just yes, yeah, so we'll leave it there, Ryan. You can respond to that before I go elsewhere. Yeah, so I um I'm pr- maybe a little different. I actually don't start with the outline. I have to know one what what is the main point of the text and two what's my opening illustration. And mm. I know it's weird. I was never the guy that could start like in seminary that could write a paper from like the middle out. I had to start at the first page, had to know the what's the opening illustration that's going to set the tone for everything. So if if I get to that by Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm happy if if it's Friday and I still don't know how to start it and how to set the tone and in, in that conversation. I'm much I'm very conversational in my preaching anyway. I don't use a lot of bullet points or one two threes. I, it, which good, bad, or indifferent, whatever. I'm preaching changes. I know that. Um, but so I, I have to I have to have that opening illustration and then often uh, as I'm finishing my notes, maybe Friday and maybe even Saturday evening. There's times that I'm saying I'm writing these notes out of for a safety blanket not out of need just because in my head i can map out where i want to go with it i'm just writing it down so then in the moment i don't forget so that that can take some of the stress away um from the i don't know what i want to say but more it's just okay let's figure out the exact words and um and i don't preach from a ton of notes anyway so glenn what was your follow-up question i'm sorry andy no i was gonna say i'm i'm somewhat exactly the opposite where the hook or the beginning illustration is probably usually the last thing. Um, I, I've got to have like uh, a general, like you, what is the general tenor and tone and direction of the text? Um, and I, I'll plug in something. I, I kind of know I have the bow on it when I have that piece. Um, but the other rhythm that I've had for a long time now is I actually try to put everything away at least for 24 hours um, and then Saturday night, um, I'm going to pull things out and usually spend an hour or so uh, not trying to put something new down, but just trying to solidify my thoughts, uh, think about transitions, think about, you know, how do I say something maybe more succinctly or um, more uh, clearly. Um, and so that's that's another one of the rhythms in the week. Um, so I actually don't I don't tend to like or don't try to schedule a lot of things on Saturday night. <clears throat> Um, because I, I want to have kind of that set aside. Um, this the the fall time is actually difficult for me because I like to watch college football, and so I, I get stuck a little bit. That I, I that sometimes gets pushed back later than I want, and I actually turn off college football sometimes so that I can go and do that. Uh, much to my fandom, um, so that's tough being an Alabama fan when you're always on prime time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what I was thinking as a church planter, uh, uh, you couldn't spend a lot of time in, in 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 sermon prep because you were just getting things started and tugging on people and really trying to be out in the community. So, I, I 
I uh, have appreciated the way God gifted me and just being able to live with the the outline and the broad strokes and trust him to, to fill in, in the pieces. And uh, what I'm curious about is uh, the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, how does that how does that find its way into your into your rhythms daily sermon prep and so forth and so on um, one of the things that I missed that you mentioned is is having that text in mind for that week and just letting it marinate and just seeing where this the Holy Spirit was going to take take you in the word that that week oh I know on Sunday mornings I am um, very cognizant of the Holy Spirit because I often step down from the pulpit and think to myself, well, that made no sense. That was terrible. That was a rambling mess. Maybe it's just me. I, I probably the only pastor that thinks this. And then somebody will come up and go, that spoke to me and that was so good. And I think, thank you, Lord, that between the pulpit and the pews, the Holy Spirit interjected and took it and and made the words out to what they need to be. Um and I, it, it, I, I do understand in sermon prep that the times when I am the most scared is probably the proper word mm-hmm. for sermon prep is when I think I'm trying to push it and rush it and, and make something that it's not supposed to be instead of saying, okay, Lord, what's, what is the point of this text? You, you inspired this word. So it's, you are the author of it. So you get to pick the meaning and, and trusting and resting and, and allowing that he's going to do the work. He's going to work in my heart as I'm preparing, and also in the in the hearers' hearts. Um, and just on that, uh, I I really found that it really hit home over COVID. Um, two podcasts in, we said COVID. Sorry, uh, over COVID when I was preaching to a video or to a camera rather, which is a weird way to preach, but just thinking, okay, the Holy Spirit can be with me in a room as I'm preaching and praying. And at the same time, he is just as active in those individuals' homes as they're watching a screen and I say, and and praying there along with me. And it's just, he does amazing things that is supernatural. And, you know, obviously he's, he's a spirit and it just gives me comfort to know he's in control and I don't have to be. Amen. One of the things that I've regularly and almost uh, liturgically prayed for when I go up to the pulpit is to uh, ask God to use by his spirit and through his word uh, to do spiritual, eternal, lasting work in people's hearts. Um, And it's a way for me personally to acknowledge my inadequacy um, and to confess that before people. Um, and you know, I think one thing I found too, kind of going to Ryan's point that when I feel like I don't have something to give or I, I, you know, when I come up to the pulpit and I feel like, man, this is a, this is a clean, shiny, you know, wonderful outline that's going to do something amazing. Um, it oftentimes is not what I think it's going to be. And it's actually when I'm coming in a place of dependency, um, we can maybe transition to talking about rhythms and, and life in a, in a larger sense, but even going through some of those seasons where I don't feel like I have much to give or I, or there's, you know, situational things that are happening, whether it's COVID, um, going through, uh, crises personally, going through crises as a, as a church. Um, we went through some things as in, in our church that was, uh, just due to storms and having to respond to those things where there wasn't, I didn't feel like I had 
those things. And it, that, those were the moments in which I really understood the power and the reality of the spirit. Um, it's kind of one of those things that I wish I understood. And um, I guess I'll use the word felt more often um, because I think even as I want to understand the text, I think often sometimes for me, at least that takes me away from understanding a dependency on the spirit. Mm. Oh. So, so Andy, you, got, you said, go ahead. So you said, um, taking the conversation maybe to a, uh, a, a, a more wide angle view of seasons of, of just looking at seasons of ministry as it relates to years or decades or even seasons in the church. How have, um, I've only dealt with one season in the church because I'm three years into being a senior pastor. So, ha- but how have you seen as um, you guys have been a part of multiple churches and m- multiple seasons? How have, how has your days and weeks and spiritual life and dependence upon the Holy spirit and spiritual disciplines and those things, how have they changed as the seasons in church have changed? Well, one thing that I always kind of think about is when we talk about this, I love the terminology of seasons actually. Um, because things do change. I think uh, for a lot of time, uh, my tendency, even from some of my background, is you got to remain faithful and you just got to keep chugging and you just got to keep, you know, churning and working. And And I think one thing as I've gone on in ministry uh, is to recognize the reality of seasons, both in your life, in your family's life and in the church's life, um, to, to see those things. And there are going to be seasons of you know, a, a spring season to use that kind of terminology where things are going to be growing and, and moving forward. And then there's going to be winners of the soul. Um, and there's going to be times when you as a ministry um, have to accelerate and work hard. And, you know, you might be spending 50 hours, 60 hours a week doing something, but there also needs to be seasons where you're downshifting. And, uh, and I think, recognizing that reality and helping you and your family and even your church to understand that um, everything can't be at a hundred miles an hour all the time. Um, and even in bigger seasons, uh, we, we can talk about that too, of what does that look like over decades? But I, I think there's some, some grace and some um, important distinctions of kind of recognizing that there are just like there are seasons in the year, there are seasons in ministry. Yeah. I like that term seasons as well. I mean, even in the week, there are different days that we give more, um, maybe more time and attention or two or have more demands. And so even within the week, talk about the, the Sabbath, you know, taking a breather and let, let life breathe in that sense. And then throughout the year, the calendar year, we're certainly going to walk into to, uh, certain spaces and places differently based on what's going on uh, around us, whether it be school, work, or whatever in, the, in that regard. And then, of course, uh, over the decade and generations, and I think the privilege that I have is being able uh, of being the older one is is having rushed through and and uh, – <sighs> just wanted so much so fast early on and uh, and then realizing that I just can't make it come and just to kind of take that breath and let it breathe. What brings seasons is the wind and uh, the wind we've seen in John 3, it can be uh, seen as the spirit. 
And so just, again, that walking in the power of the Spirit, letting our, our weeks, uh, our days, our weeks, and even our years, just have that, that time to breathe, that time to just engage in whatever season it is. And uh, uh, going back to how we, had our, how we wake up and do our, our daily devotionals, uh, our time with the Lord, uh, early on, thankfully, I learned it's to live by faith, not by devotions. That there will be a season when I can't get to my devotions. The kids, you know, are, are young or the or whatever demands are on me. I just can't get to it. But rather than kick myself and say, oh, I didn't get to that. I said, no, I, uh, those devotions are a tool to help me to find this faith that I now need when I can't get to my devotions to be able to meet the demands of the day. And uh, just the, the grace that we know that is there and uh, the fact that uh, the Spirit is pleased to meet us uh, no matter uh, what condition we might find ourselves in and be able to give us the resource that we need. That's been a gift to be able to, to mature into that, but it didn't come easily. So one of, the, one of the unique positions that a pastor has is that um, almost everyone in his life is looking to him for leadership. His elder board is looking to him for leadership, his congregation, his wife, his kids. And so it's kind of, all of the burdens are laid down upon our shoulders. And so as we balance our wives, our children, our, our, our congregant members, our, our elder boards, it can be a struggle to maintain those appropriate balances. So a a Andy, as, as you even said that those, those seasons come and go, there needs to be seasons of um, maybe working harder than others, the seasons of rest, seasons of Sabbath. How have you guys in particular with your spouses, um, managed the 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 needs of your your body your own spiritual soul your wife's soul how, how have you guys entered into those conversations and walked through at times can be contradictory needs where one needs to go faster and, and, and the other needs to go go slower how have you managed those conversations well i i wish i could say i, have, I felt like i've done it better um uh, hopefully I've learned by hitting my head against the wall long enough to uh, to try to see that. Uh, one of the things that I've recently been thinking about and kind of forced into in the beginning and now really see the grace in it is uh, a weekly Sabbath. And, uh, you know, we can talk maybe more theologically, but uh, I'm not Sabbatarian necessarily, but I do think that, that it's a rhythm that's built into the very creation of who we are. And a Sabbath just isn't a day off, um, but it's a pulling back to focus on who God is and what he's done and the blessings and the graces that appear in your life. And I think one of those primary ones, if you're married, is your spouse. And so uh, even recently, uh, we've been seeking to kind of lay out what are our Sabbath days. Usually those for me are during the week um, and then try to spend those together with my wife um, and really kind of setting things aside, specifically trying to set technology aside, uh, trying to set contacts aside uh, so that she feels that, that, you know, that time is important and that I'm valuing that time and not, not setting it in. And then in a greater sense, um, I'm coming off this last summer for the first time in 16 years, having a sabbatical um, and really a extended time of stepping back to see how am I doing in relationship first and foremost to, to God? And then how am I doing in relationship to my family? Um, and then what, where is it that, 
those things need to be adjusted. And uh, I've really become convinced that that's that's got to be a, a priority to the point that I've asked our leadership team here to write a policy um, to force me to take vacations and to take that because I know my natural tendency is would be not to do that. And so um, I think it's important uh, to to get those rhythms established, plan for those rhythms, um, budget for those rhythms, um, both in your time and, and even in your money um, to, to figure that out because uh, it's not going to just happen. I think you, you couched it well when you said have that conversation with them. It is something that you need to talk about. Um, and for, uh, uh, for, for me to be better, I need Karen to be better and, mm-hmm. for, uh, and, and, and vice versa. And so we know that we, 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 want, to, we want to know what, what helps each other work at our optimum. And, uh, and for me, Karen uh, knows I need to do something physical each day, either out in the yard or off to the fitness center or something like that. I know she needs to, uh, she needs to have a nap and I need to guard that time and let her to have that. So those are just a couple of the little examples of, of how we can help each other as we've learned what we each need uh, for that day. But again, going back to, we need to talk about it. What is it that, that will help us and to know that we're for each other because we know if we're doing our best, then we're together, we're the best. So I, I have one more follow-up question on kind of in the same framework. Have you guys been able to identify ways to um, early detections of busy seasons? Uh, w- one of the things that I've observed is that I realize I'm in a busy season three weeks after I'm in the busy season <laughs> and it catches me off guard. And it's not until I realize I'm in a busy season that I can appropriately uh, position myself of like, oh, yeah, no wonder I'm so tired, but this will end. Have you guys uh, identified ways in those rhythms and in those seasons to identify early on or even know, okay, th- th- these months or this situation or this time period is going to be busy and then prepare those individuals around you for that season so that they're not caught off guard as well? The young guy's think, asking for practical tips. That's yeah, basically all that's I, happening. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I think for me it it begins with a calendar. And I, I I just live and die by my calendar. And so I try to put everything in there that I know that's going to happen. Um and it's it's that pre planning. So for instance, like with the Sabbath days, um recently my wife and I have tried to sit down and, and plan those out a month in advance. And that's the big rock in the water that things are going to move around. Um, and I also know that there's certain seasons like when we head back to school, that's going to be a busy season, you know, or right now I'm coaching basketball teams. That's going to be a busy season. And so those things, when I can step back from the calendar and I can see those, uh, I understand that. And again, that's a conversation with my wife. Um, we have a monthly conversation where we sit down and talk about budget, but that's not just money, but it really is time too, where we're sitting down and looking at it together and planning those things out. And if I don't do that, it's not going to naturally fall out. Um, it's going to have to be some purpose and some plan. Now that doesn't mean things can't move, but at least I know that they're moving when I, when I have to make that change. Yeah, I'm getting better at, uh, at looking at the calendar. And I also have a coach that, uh, that 
get together with uh, monthly and we uh, we just kind of look ahead and, and that helps prepare me for what I know need to be conversations around the uh, the kitchen table. But a year and a half into this this current ministry that I'm in, uh, my wife was ready to throw me out. Um, my priorities were were gone. I was trying to figure this out, traveling so much, and uh, and so uh, that was such a painful conversation and painful time that I had the felt need to uh, to get it right. And that's where I I, I, I found this coach, uh, got into a calendar that I could that I could work with, have some accountability there. Um, but, uh, and then I've just learned in my own spirit, if I'm, so, so when I start to hear certain, certain phrases or conversations come up, then, then those are, are hitches in my giddy up that I need to kind of slow down to make sure that I, I start verbalizing some things maybe that I've forgotten. For me, it's particularly my impatience. If I'm, if I'm impatient, uh, then there's a trigger that goes off the spirit saying, okay, you need to back off and see what's going on because you're not normally this whatever. And uh, so again, just that self-awareness that helps us become better leaders and wives are, are very good at helping us become self-aware. Well, and that's where I think those weekly sabbaticals become more important because those provide the space right. to have those conversations. I think a lot of times, even in a day off, you know, we'll, we're, we're not interested in, in that. Um, and even Sometimes when I sit down with my wife to say, hey, we got to have this conversation, it's not always a fruitful conversation. It only happens when there is time and space that that conversation is going to happen. And so putting those in, in, even when there's not critical, big things to talk about, um, in, encourages that opportunity and even sets a, a point where if there is something, we know that we have this opportunity to talk about it. Absolutely. Andy, do you take so? Um, is your day off your sabbatical, your Sabbath, or do you, or do you have a special day that is 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 more um, Sabbath resting, d- disconnecting from social media outside of a day off? How does how does that work for you in the week? Uh, is, it's is usually it- the combined of my day off, um, okay. but there's more. It's more purposeful. You know, when I think of a day off, a day off usually is just you know, whatever, or it becomes the catch up day and a a Sabbath day, uh, as I've been exploring it and thinking about it is much more purposeful, um, purposeful rest. If you want to think about it that way, that I'm, I'm going to set this time aside, you know, and I'm going to enjoy, uh, Christ and what he, and the grace that he's given me and enjoy that within, um, my relationship with my wife. So there's a little bit more of a, of a purpose and plan with the kids getting older, that's a little bit easier because, you know, once they're out off to school or whatever, um, or they're occupied with their own things, there's, there's some more freedom. Uh, I, I wish I would have discovered that earlier. I don't know exactly what that would have looked like with young kids. Um, but I, I still think it's, it's important and necessary. Well, guys, this has been a great conversation. We've reached our time limit. So I say we should close it down and carry on the conversation that, the next time thank you so much for listening to comparing notes and we appreciate you sticking around and hope that you will uh connect with the next one so we'll see you next time thank you again for listening to the comparing notes podcast if you'd like to contact us you can do so by email at comparing notes at gmail.com 